Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. So me being a fruit lover, I, I, I love fruits of all varieties. And, and um, you can ask Carla. She would, she'll take, she'll, she might take like 30 minutes to chop up a watermelon. You know, I, I, when I was young, I used, to, I used to eat them, I guess, out of the rind. We used to just cut them, and my parents would say, here, eat it. And just, but then I guess we're a little more cultured in my household. I don't know. Because Carla likes to take the time to chop it and chop it and slice it. And, sh- 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 and, and you know, that, take, that takes a while. And then she'll, she'll put it down in the refrigerator and say, here, I've cut, cut watermelon. And the 30 minutes she's taken to, to cut it, I could probably eat the whole thing in about five minutes with a couple of trips to the bathroom. So, but I, I, I love fruit. I love fruit. And, and that's kind of actually um, being, been passed on to my family. And, and my kids love fruit. And, and even my youngest, Asher, who doesn't, he doesn't eat too many things. He doesn't, he's, he's a very, very picky eater. Like we cook food for him. He doesn't want to eat it. But fruit is one thing that he loves. But all of a sudden, he's become picky about fruit, and, and he used to eat the little mandarin oranges, the little oranges. I, Levi, you can, I think you can click to the first slide. I'm just going to have some pictures going while I'm, while I'm talking. Um, now, now he's kind of gotten picky about the, the oranges, and I'm like, Asher, why won't you eat oranges anymore? Why don't you like oranges? And his whole thing is now he won't eat the oranges because they have seeds in them. I'm like, wait a minute. Grapes have, no, I guess grapes don't have seeds anymore. Watermelon, no. So it's for some, we, through science, we've genetically modified seeds out of fruit, which seems kind of weird, first of all. And I know there's a, there's a big debate about whether that's even a, a healthy thing to do. But have you thought about the value of the seeds themselves in fruit? Hey, don't change any slides unless I tell you to, Okay. Okay, he's thinking for himself, it's dangerous. Okay, think about it. Think about, it. for example, that's, that's an orange seed. We, we'll take it and we'll just chew the orange and we'll spit it out. Spit out the seed, throw it away. You know, and, and we think, ah, it, like it is just a nuisance. You really don't want to bite into it. The taste is not going to be very good. But the value of the seeds in fruit, because think about it, it's God's way in so many things that he does, in so many ways that he operates, to take the most valuable, consequential, substantial, and important things and put them in a tiny, seemingly meaningless little package to confound, to confound us. Think about if that orange seed was the last orange seed on the planet Earth, how valuable that would be. I mean, we as men, with all of our you know, genius intellect, we, we believe we're so smart. We can't create life. We couldn't, we could not create another thing like that. And we could say, hey, if we just put this in the earth, we're going to have lots and lots of oranges to eat. We, we can't do that. That thing is extremely valuable. Think about the information locked in there. <laughs> it, it's incredible. Think about the DNA that's in that thing. And it's small and it seems inconsequential to us. Um, have you ever thought about the potential 
in a little seed. The potential. Uh, one little seed in and of itself put in the right environment, okay? In, in this state, it's probably no use to anybody, right? No use to anybody. But put in the right environment one small seed it can produce food for the hungry. It can produce shade for the tired. It can produce beauty to declare the glory of God. And all this from one seed. Go ahead, go ahead and do the next slide, Levi. One seed in time, if you think about it, one seed in time, given enough time, can produce an orchard of trees or a grove of trees. All of that can come from one seed. Okay, go ahead to the next slide. Is it different fruit, different seeds, all different kinds of yield. They come in variety of sizes and shapes, but they all have the capacity to store within these seeds the ability to produce life. And that life itself can bear fruit. And that fruit can nourish and in some cases give pleasure. Is this thing working? You guys hear me? Okay, good. I think we don't often think about this amazing news of the value of something like a seed because there, there's an abundance of them, and they're small, right? Again, imagine if that was the last orange seed. See, it's God's ways to bury his treasures in the smallest, sometimes seemingly most insignificant of things, but allow that growth and development to produce something beautiful, to confound us. Let's, let's look. I'm, I'm going to um, read a scripture. I was going to read it at the beginning, and I forgot, but let me read it. I was too, too interested in the main point, but read this. This is, this is the parable of the sower. This is, this is a parable that, parable that Jesus gave um, to, excuse me, to his disciples. He said, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. Those seeds sprouted quickly and became the soil, uh, no, sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Like that picture from before. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And in fact, further on in that passage, he goes on, he talks about the mustard seed, the smallest, the tiniest, tiniest little seed, and the size of the, the tree that a mustard seed produces. And he compares that to the kingdom of heaven, or he compares the kingdom of heaven to that. You see, the seed is an amazing thing. It's an amazing creation. It's a thing of wonder in everything that it could do and everything it can bring about. But everything it can do, remember, it is potential. Not every seed does that. Not every seed brings about an, an orchard or, a, a, or brings about fruit. Every seed is potential. For every one of these seeds that exists, not everything that can be accomplished is accomplished. There's varying degrees of accomplishment. See, we, we, we've tried to plant stuff at our house. 
The other, like a week ago, we were at Noel's house, and Noel very proudly paraded me through his yard. This is an avocado tree here, Mike. <laughs> and it yields a mango tree here, and you guys, and we, we all enjoyed Noel's mangoes from last year. We tried that at our house. Carla, how, how did your papaya tree work out for you? I, I, I mean to put her on the spot. I, I love my wife. I might, I, might, I might pay the price for this later. I don't know. How did, we, we've tried. We've tried. We've got an avocado seed in our yard, and I don't know. Maybe it needs more time, but, but it's, 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 it's been there for a while, and it's still about this high. I, it's, we've had it for five years. But we, we've planted lots of things, and we've had no success. So that right there is proof that a seed itself does not guarantee fruit. What is the difference? Obviously, the sower, the farmer, the planter makes a big difference. But I think the, the biggest factor of what a seed is going to do that we have any control over is the soil that that, that, that that seed is put in, right? Now, we know of the, okay, let's, let's go back to Genesis a little bit. I'm going to go back. And it's funny because... I don't know, listening to that little intro that Caleb said, it's like exactly what I'm going to say now. And I'm like, man, did I hear that? Is that where this stuff came from? Or am I just, is it just like minds? I don't know. But we, we know this story of creation. God created this beautiful, beautiful physical world, the whole universe. And the pattern he used in creation was always to create a space and then fill that space. That, that's, that's how God did it. So you think about it. First, he created the sky or what we would call the heavens. And he filled the sky with stars. He filled the sky with planets. He filled the sky with the moon. He filled it. And then he created, he created this earth and as part of the earth. He, he had an ocean. And he filled that ocean with aquatic life of all kinds, of all kinds of creatures, everything. And he, he, he created this land that he separated from the oceans. And he filled the land with all kinds of trees, all kinds of plants, all kinds of shrubs, all things that grow. And then he also filled it with living creatures. But it was also always God's intent to fill his creation with his presence. See, God himself is separate from his creation. His creation is a created thing. And God is, so anybody that tells you that, that the earth is God or that the universe is, no. God is separate from his creation. The universe is created. The earth is created. But God wanted to fill his creation. And how did he choose to do that? His very last thing that he created was man. And we, we've been studying this in Torah class, and it gave me a, a, a perspective on this that I didn't see before. God used the stuff of earth to make man, and then he put the stuff of heaven in man. So his very presence or his image. So it's, we're like a combination of both. You've got God here. You've got the earth here. The earth is separate from God, but he wanted his presence in the earth. So what did he do? He took the earth, made man, and he put his spirit his image, his neshama, into man. And so we are the way that God is in his creation, so to speak. And they gave the illustration of an artist painting himself 
in a, in a painting. And we, we had a good debate about whether that, whether that analogy makes sense or not. But that, that's something that Jewish sages would say. It's like God painting himself in the, in the painting. But we are God's presence here in the physical world. And God wanted his presence to cover the earth. So he said, he, he actually gave us this mandate. He said, be fruitful and multiply. But he placed in his earth this living seed called man. So I realized we're a living seed. A living seed, he placed it in the earth. And this was the seed that he intended to use to be fruitful and to carry out the fruit of his presence in all of his creation. And it was his desire for us to be fruitful, to, which is to bear much fruit, like, like the trees that we're talking, talking about, and to multiply. You can flip a slide, Levi, I should have told you. You see, we bear the fruit of God's spirit, the fruit of his parent presence. We carry his presence and we establish his kingdom throughout creation. And like we t talked about with the seeds in my garden that bear no fruit and the seeds in Noel's garden that bear much mangoes that we all enjoy, there's varying degrees to which we carry out what God intends for us to do. There are varying degrees as to how we show his image, reflect his image, carry his kingdom. But I believe the single most important factor, I'm going to repeat this from before, the single most important factor that determines whether a seed reaches its fullest potential to grow and to bear fruit is the soil that is placed in or the soil that is falls in. Not all soils are created equal. And much of the power that this seed thrives from and grows from is in the soil from which it was planted. And likewise, God, who desired for man to flourish, be fruitful and multiply. The only time he said that something was not good during his creation was when what? He saw that man was alone. So he planted the seed in his creation, and he thought, this is the seed that's going to be fruitful and multiply. And he said, wait a minute. That's not good. The soil where I've planted this is not exactly what it needs to be for this creation to be fruitful and multiply. So he tended his soil. What did he do? Created Eve, created woman, and in turn created what? the institution of marriage, and the institution of family, right? The master gardener observed the environment that he had placed the man in. That's this little seedling of God's image. Everything in creation was physically perfect for the man to thrive, thrive physically, but God was not completely satisfied with the soil for this man's spirit. The part of his, the part of the man that was designed to bear fruit and carry the image of God. God observed that it was not good for man to be alone. And so for the man to thrive and to bear fruit in every way, God created Eve. He created the first family, and then he gave the first mandate. Now be fruitful and multiply. And we always think about that in the sense of 
multiply in numbers, populate the earth. Yeah, that's it. That, that, that's definitely part of it. And we are very thankful to God for giving us a beautiful way to do that, 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 that we all enjoy. <laughs> Joel laughs every time I say, this is my pastor right there. This is my pastor. He's, he's given us a beautiful way to do that. He's given us a way, a beautiful way to multiply. Yes, to populate this earth. But to bear fruit and multiply is also a mandate to bear my fruit. To carry my presence. To encompass the earth with my glory. To be my representation. To multiply to multiply my presence in my creation, to fill my creation with my image, my glory, and my kingdom. See, where is God's kingdom? It's right here. It's within us. It's right within his image bearers, but it's ready to break forth, to flourish, to nourish the world. So now I'm getting ready to get to that main point. If you want the best healthy fruit, you manage the health of your soil. Right, Noel? Is that true? Okay. <laughs> Got to start with that. And so the main point is this. Now, you guys are ready. You ready for the main point? The family is the soil to our spirit. Let me say that again so you guys say, the family is the soil to our spirit. Let's say it. Okay, so that is the main point. But I'll have another main point later because after Joel told me, wait, that's not what you're supposed to be speaking on. I, I, Lord, help me somehow bring the, 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 the verse together. So we're going to have a second main point later, okay? But the family, that, that's the main point. The family is the soil to our spirit. And there are three values in good soil. Three values. Number one, go ahead and flip to the next one. Functions of good soil. Good soil protects the seedling. If you go back to, um, if you go back to the parable that we read, what, ha what happened to the first seeds? Do you, does anybody remember? Snatched away, right? Because they were exposed. They were sitting there on the ground and Ooh. What, what, if you remember uh, Jesus' interpretation of the parable, what did he say that the birds represented? Does anybody remember? If you go on. It's the, the enemy. The enemy trying to snatch us. A family unit functions to protect the seedling. I'm not just talking about kids. I'm talking about all of us. We're all seedlings in the soil of our family, right? Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> the soil which holds the seed provides a protective layer to keep the seed safe during its development. We use the terms covering, right? In fact, this pattern is repeated everywhere in nature. We talked about how God puts, puts the, um, the, the most valuable things in tiny little packs, but they, they have to be protected until they're developed. The, the, the baby is protected within the womb of a mother. Even, even an egg is protected in its shell. There needs to be something to protect it during its development. The mother holds life 
in a sack within her body. See, we understand the idea of protection. I mean, any, any father has this innate thing to protect their son or their daughter or their child. You know, you got a little, we've got a lot of little babies here. And I, I know that those parents, the fathers in particular, will, would do anything before they would allow physical harm to come to their children. So we understand the physical idea of protection, but the family is a protective unit also for the spirit. In the parable, the enemy came and snatched away some of the seed. How many of you have known somebody who the enemy, again, not physically, but has somehow snatched them away? Yeah, I think we all do. We think back to friends maybe that who we thought were walking with the Lord years and years ago. And then somehow, somehow they're, they're not walking with the Lord and they're in a completely different place. And, and we're actually praying for them because we're very concerned about their soul. You know, ultimately a person's walk with the Lord is their own faith. But as a protective family unit, we should have the mentality that we are never Going, or we should have the, the mentality and the attitude that we're not going to lose one. We're not going to lose one. I think about that, the movie, um, like these war movies we saw, like Saving Private Ryan. Do you remember that they, they, their whole objective was to get just this one person back to his family? I don't know if you remember that movie. And they would literally have to give their own lives. Like, like is it worth it? This is one person. Yeah, it's one person. We forget the value of one person. We carry the image of God. That's where the value is. We are image bearers. It's like, it's like the seed. We forget the value of the seed. But what it contains is of infinite value. The family bond should be an impenetrable, impenetrable in a sense. Because we have something so valuable in the image of God that is within our family that we will not allow anything or anyone to possibly cause damage to that. We also know that trauma that people suffer or hurts that people experience in their lives sometimes plague them for years and years. And we know that when this happens, sometimes this causes them to not be able to walk in their true identities, to not be able to live the way that God intended them to, to live. As a family unit, we should be protecting our family members. I mean, I know there are things like encounters. There are things like um, we talk about encounters. We talk about deliverances. And those things are awesome. They're amazing. God looks back into people and helps people see the things that possibly caused trauma years ago and helps to remove and heal individuals of those things so that they can again walk in a new fullness. But you know what? I'd rather my family not, not have to do that. I'd rather them not have to go through that. If there's anything I can do as a family to protect each of the members from allowing the enemy to steal any part of their future or any part 
of their destiny or any part of their image of God that they're carrying, I will do it. We need to protect our children whose minds are still in development, who could possibly be exposed to demonic things that enter through their eyes, through their ears. We've got so many avenues for the enemy to attack now, through the Internet, through entertainment, through the television. We all know that the enemy is working against every child, an enemy who desires to steal, kill, and destroy. And there's nothing that he would like to do more than to snatch away, like in the parable, the destiny that God has for our children or family members. Our family needs to be a family of covering, a family of protection. The fathers need to be vigilant warriors, understanding that we're not just guarding a child, we're guarding the image of God. We are violently guarding the image of God. Do this by prayer. I mean, there, there's a, I, I could go on and on about protection. Each of these functions, I can only, I mean, there's so many different things. Spiritual warfare, right? There are ways to protect all family members because family protects and it creates a secure and a safe space. Okay, the second function of good soil. Sorry for my PowerPoint skills. I don't know. But I say to feed the seedling. A good soil provides nutrition, correct? And if you go back to the parable again, the second kind of uh, the seed that landed on the soil that was rocky, right? And its roots kind of went in a little bit, but then because there were rocks and the roots couldn't go deep enough and it couldn't, couldn't get the nutrition that it needed and in the end it dried up by the sun, correct? Because it couldn't get the nutrition that it needed. A good family feeds the seedling. Now what does that look like? Remember, each seed is a package of potential. Just like us. Each one of us is a package of potential. By creating an environment of validation, an environment of love, we are giving our family members the security to be who they were created to be with their unique attributes, giftings, callings. Family should be an environment that causes and creates growth. And we should give them all they need to grow to grow, encourage them spiritually through teaching, through instruction, through guidance. We know that there's all kinds of other influences that are trying to teach them, right? Where, where do we spend, where do our kids at least, spend the majority of their time? Well, we say school, but even more than school, they spend it with their family. Yeah, school, school is, think about it. <laughs> think about it. School they spend six hours out of the day, get home at three. My kids will spend the rest of the afternoon, the evening with the family. Then in the summertime, they're with us the entire summer. So yeah, we are, com we are competing against school and we're competing against all kinds of other factors. 
But we need to pour into them the things that are going to cause them to grow in every way. That's going to cause them, just like we need to feed them nutritious, nutritious food. We need to cause, we need to feed them spiritual food that causes their growth, their spiritual DNA that's imparted them to, in them to grow. We know legacy is passed down from father to son, from generation to generation. But we need to build them up so that their expectation of themselves is no less than our expectation of them, which is no less than the expectation that they will be the image bearer of God. Families should be pouring into members love, honor, respect, kindness. And the family is where the kingdom should be lived out and modeled in the greatest of ways. A culture of kingdom living should be the norm in the family. I, I think about my wife's family. One thing, one thing I know her parents did, and it, did anybody know? Alejandra, wave. I don't know if everybody knows Carla's mom. This is Carla's mom. Everybody say hi to Carla's mom, my, my blessed mother in love. <laughs> and I know one thing they did was their children and I know David could attest to this too, they, they, everywhere their parents went and ministered, their kids were with them. Every time they went on a missions trip, their kids were with them. Every time their dad was preaching, their kids were with them. They were exposed to so many things, and that in itself was feeding them. It was feeding them. That's how we feed our children, through, through example through giving them the opportunity to minister and grow. We feed them in that way. In this way, they reach that potential. They, I'm not saying, and get me right, I'm not saying if, if there aren't people who came out of a bad family situation or even people that really didn't have a, a good functioning family that, that did amazing things for God. No, no, I'm not saying that because God, God's grace is amazing. And he can, he can cause amazing things to happen even out of the worst situations. What I'm saying is this is how we maximize potential for our family members to walk according to their calling. Go ahead, Levi. Number three, the third function is to allow for growth. And this is the last one. If you look, if, again, in the, in the parable, the third parable, uh, the third seed, it grew, but then it was choked out by the um, thorns and the weeds and the thistles. A good soil will allow space for growth, and it will promote growth. Does that mean I'm almost done? Ooh, that is the most subtle, like, I, I got to wrap this up? Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, so... All right, all right. <laughs> all right, let's, thank you. Spiritual growth and development should primarily take place in the family. I already said that. But family should be the launching pad that releases the kingdom of God into the world. Remember, the kingdom was not intended to be bottled up in a family or even a church. 
God desired for the kingdom to push through like a sprout, breaking through good soil and pushing out into the world, producing fruit. And in fact, the kingdom is supposed to infiltrate every aspect of life just like it infiltrates every aspect of our being. The kingdom should be released to, from family to work to church to school to relationships to government to the soccer field to the grocery store. The kingdom should be spilling out and bubbling over until it's bearing the fruit of the kingdom in every arena that we touch. And the family should be encouraging, pushing members into their giftings and callings. Joel, when you, when you thought that you were going to pastor a church, did Brianna say, nah, you're crazy. You shouldn't do that. I'm, I'm too worried about, I'm asking. <laughs> I thought the answer was going to be different. I, I thought she, she, she said, you know what? What God is calling you to do, you do. And that's what a family does, pushes people out to do what they're called to do. Asiel, what, what did Denise say when you came up with this idea for a ministry and you said, you know what, I think the Lord's saying, I need to pick, fix people's cars for free. That's what families do. When you decided you wanted to go to, where are you going? Uganda. And didn't have any money to do it. And you're going to leave your wife at home alone with the kids for how long? What did she say? You know, I didn't even know the answers to these questions, but I know the people, so I think I did know the answers. I took kind of a, a gamble asking those questions because that could have backfired and completely ruined my point. <laughs> That's what we do as families. We, we push our family members into their calling, and we encourage them as from a launching point to bear that in, image of God. You, you can play for a long time, buddy. You can keep going, right? Good? Okay. <laughs> you see, three functions of a good soil, to protect the seedling, to feed the seedling, to allow for growth. God put himself into his own creation through us. We are the image bearers of God. And our first mandate was to be fruitful and to multiply. Multiply God's image, multiply his personality, multiply his presence, multiply his influence, his character, multiply God's reign, and multiply his kingdom. And in a sense, God planted the seed of mankind in the garden with the objective of that seed growing thriving, and like an invasive species occupying all of his creation with his presence. And the best way to ensure that the seed thrives is to tend the soil that the seed is planted in. Tend the soil that the seed is planted in. Sometimes we get so focused outward, like what can I do for the kingdom? What can I do? I want to go do this, this, and all of that is great stuff. But you know what? If we focus on that and we forget our families, we lose. We lose. It starts with the family. 
everything starts with the family. The most important ministry that God has given us is our families. And how about that honor your father and mother that your days in? Okay, we'll touch that real quick. <laughs> so these are the three blessings that we can get from, from being within our family, right? The protection, the, the, the nutrition, and the growth. But you know what? You can answer this. Aren't they, is there every, every once in a while a seed that is put in the perfect environment and still doesn't thrive? Does that happen? Because it, it didn't receive the blessings of that even though those things were there. And, and in, in Exodus chapter 20, the fifth commandment, it says, honor your father and mother that your, that your days in the land may be Thank you, mother in love. You see, what had happened is the Israelites had gone through so much to get to that point, and they were going to get to the land. So it's almost like they had worked for the blessing they were going to receive, and God said, if you want to maintain and keep that blessing, honor your father and mother for the things that they have worked for. So here's my point. Honor is the conduit that determines how much of the blessings we receive. Honor is the conduit that determines how many of these blessings we're going to receive. If I choose not to honor my parents or my family, that stuff means nothing. But when I choose to honor and respect, those things are available to me, to nourish me as I'm planted in the environment, in the soil of my family. So I'm going to let Joel come up and finish. But I know kind of where I'd want to go with this. It's, I think it's a challenge, number one, to, to people here, families. Tend your soil. Tend your soil. If you want to know how to be most effective for the kingdom, the first thing to do is tend your soil. And, you know... Maybe some of us need to repent that we haven't put enough focus and attention in that. Maybe not enough time in tending that soil. And then I know there are a lot of new families that are getting ready to get started or that have started. And this, this is a church of family. You can stand back up, man. You can come on, come on, come on over here. God wants to do amazing things through our families. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Carrollwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.